Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. This is episode 62 of the Restricted Zone podcast, and I'm with my fellow co-hosts today, the three amigos, just us. Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, yo, what's going on, Kyle? What's going on, Lodge? How's it going? Big, big, big. That's really good. Lodge, introduce yourself, man. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing today? Yes, sir. And we coming back with another NBA episode uh, straight is about all the young prospects, the players that's aspiring to make it to the league and become the next future stars of the league. So the NBA draft lottery happened on Tuesday. We already know who's the number one pick, and we got to pretty much break down our respective picks and who we believe each prospect that should go to their respective teams that sh- that are selecting this upcoming draft. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Kyrie take over. For sure, uh, like you said, Colin. Thanks for bringing it in, bro. Uh, so we're going to be talking. We're going to be giving our own, very own NBA mock drafts. Just the lottery, though, picks one through fourteen. We don't want to keep you guys here all night, but we're going to give you guys our picks uh, for the first fourteen teams in the NBA draft and who we see going there. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, we're also going to give our draft sleepers tonight too. Some sleepers uh, deep in the draft, maybe in the second round, late first rounders that we think have an immediate impact in the NBA. They might be getting overlooked right now. So uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead. We're going to uh, start our NBA mock draft. The Orlando Magic have the number one pick, and they're on the clock right now. Colin, who are they picking at number one, bro? Now, you know, some one thing you had said, Kyrie, you said before during the lottery, you said the Magic, you said you had a, a gut feeling that Magic was going was, to gonna mess up this number one pick. I look at their history. They got Shaq. Penny Hardaway, even though it was a trade via the number one pick, he counts technically. And then you have Dwight Howard. Each was a superb talent. And they haven't messed up. They've pretty much been, what, three for three? In my opinion, would you say so? For three sure, for sure. Yeah, you got, you got a point right there. So I feel like, but this is the biggest problem between those draft selections and this draft selection. They were clear-cut, besides Penny Hardaway, who, you know, was a toss-up. They were clear-cut, superb, above the rest in their class. The Magic have three guys. You got Paolo, Chet, and now you got Jabari. Each got their own skill set. And I'm me personally, I want to go with Jabari Smith. I feel like he fits what the Magic are doing. I feel like him, Jalen Suggs, and Markel, that backcourt with Jabari playing at the four. You can slide him to the five, too. You can also play the three. He's got the range. He got the defense. He rebounds well. I think he's the perfect fit for the Magic and what they're looking to move forward inside the league. And I think those three together, that could be the big three for the Magic in the next two or three years. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, if the Magic do go ahead and go with Jabari Smith at number one, I definitely can't, I definitely can't, uh, knock it. Jabari Smith is definitely, uh, he definitely has the talent to be number one pick. He can shoot the rock, um, can rebound, can get out in transition. He can, uh, he can defend as well on the perimeter and on the block. But, um, Colin, I want to get your opinion before I go ahead and give my number one pick. What do you think separates Jabari Smith from Chet Holmgren and uh, and Paolo Bancaro as, and kind of boost him up to be that number one pick that the Magic might want? Well, I feel like and maybe in, you guys, in your guys' eyes, it might not be necessarily an advantage. You know, he is the son of an NBA player. So that itself is the balanced wisdom and experience of someone like that in your corner. You can reach in your pocket any time. And obviously, I just feel like watching him play, 
I felt like the reason why he's not an undisputed number one pick in his draft is because obviously Chet, in my opinion, but I feel like the point guard play with with Auburn was really disappointing with Wendell Green Jr. I mean, he's took erratic shot after erratic shots in the final minutes, and right. it, I just felt like that kind of hindered. Because at the end of the day, when the point guard plays well, he makes everyone plays well. And I feel like Jabari going to Magic, where they got plenty of point guards they can play well. You got Suggs to Markel to a certain extent. If you feel like he could come back and be that player somewhat, we all thought he could be. And then you also have R.J. Hampton. You got Cole Anthony. They got a, a slew of guards that are really talented, in my opinion, which I feel like would benefit him. So, I, yeah, I feel like that's the yeah. case. In and reference to what you said about that Wendell Green being that that type of point guard playing with Jabari, uh, with Jabari Smith. And just being like a like a truck, like he, he just shoots a lot. Um, so do you, how do you see that being a difference between him playing with Jalen Suggs and well, uh, Cole Anthony, two guys that also like to shoot the rock, two guys that are also ultra aggressive and like to like to uh, attack the rim and, and just like to go ahead and score on their own? Well, I feel like well, I, so if you want to talk about point guard with the most natural playmaking ability, in my opinion, I'm gonna go with Fultz because he's always seemed like. He could dish the rock at will. His scoring was what was fascinating to all of us when he came out of the draft. Obviously, it's not as great as it is now, but his playmaking has always still been nice to me. I feel like those guys, the Colt Andy and Jalen Suggs, they know that for them to be able to maximize the potential and to see the floor on the court, they have to be able to improve their playmaking abilities. In my opinion, they're solid. Uh, it's not amazing, not great, but that's something when you have the number one pick, you have to be that type of point guard. You can't waste that guy's potential, especially he's the number one pick. How many number one picks do the Magic, uh, you know, are striving to get, or how lucky can they even get? So I feel like Jabari to the Magic, in my opinion, is definitely a nice fit. I feel like that's where you should go. All right, all right, I like your analysis, Colin, and uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see Jabari Smith going going number one to the uh, to the Orlando Magic. I'm gonna go ahead and give you my pick though, um, and I'm gonna have to go ahead and give that slight edge, very very slight edge to Chet Holmgren. Um, we talked about it before, Colin, uh, and, and live. We talked about it as well. Trevor Holmgren and, J- and Jalen Suggs played together in high school, um, at Minnehaha over in, uh, out in Minnesota. So, do, am I saying Jalen Suggs has all the pool in the world to go to the Magic and be like, "Hey, this is my guy right here, and I want you guys to pick him up"? No, but that, there it was still, there, it's still something there that still a, plays a factor, in my opinion. But at the same time, that's not to take anything from take anything away from Chad Holgram's game because he can play. Put up 14 points and 10 boards last season. Uh, over this past season with Gonzaga, had almost four blocks a game, and um, he just has a really diverse skill set. Being seven foot with a seven four, seven five wingspan, to be able to dribble the ball, um, grab rebounds on one end and take it to the other end, and finish. He can shoot. He just knows where to be on. The, he just knows where to be on the floor. He's a willing passer. Has good vision. And he just does a lot of good things out there. Um, the only thing he really has going against himself is just his frame. Uh, being seven foot and willing only about 195 pounds, he's bound to put on more weight before he gets, uh, in the training camp and before he gets, uh, really in motion to get ready for the season. But he's still, he's not going to be to the point where he consistently push guys around him or push guys out of position in order for him to score down low. So that's the only thing I really have. Like reservations were about him. Um, said the same thing about Evan Moley. Look what he did this past season. Well, so well, well. Let me ask you this, Kyrie. So, in terms of the Magic, uh, they, most likely they're gonna select a forward. I mean, if they're not crazy, you know, they know Queen goes three. 
those are the best options. They don't need any more guards. Doesn't make sense for me drafting the guards. I'm looking at Mo Bamba. I, he had his best season stats wise. If you look at it, he averaged 10 points a game. He had what? Uh, I think 1.7 blocks a game. He had eight rebounds a game. He shot 40% from the field, 30% from the three. He only did that in 26 minutes. But to me, I don't feel like the Magic are really gonna match any offer for Mo Bamba because when you look at the three bigs, and they, like I said before, I think they're all superior than Mo Bamba's chat. You made a great point with Chet. Defensively, he does what Mo Bamba does. Just he has a more higher potential for the offensive end than Mo Bamba ever had or we ever saw. But I feel like they're not going to match Mo Bamba. So now you got to look at the center they had. They got Wendell Carter Jr. He averaged 15. He gave you he gave you um 10 boards a game, three assists a game. His first full season with the Magic. Now, if you're drafting, you want to look at who's going to be the next fit next to Wendell Carter Jr. Just like how the Cavs got Jared Allen. They got Evan Mobley. You got the Twin Towers right there. Not yet. Still developing, but, you know, the Cleveland Twin Towers. So what about the Magic? What big, in your opinion, out of those three fit next to Wendell Carter Jr. the most? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even think it matters much as to who fits next to Wendell Carter. Um, I don't think he plays a huge factor in your Orlando Magic's, like, on the, on their roster. I I honestly don't see him being. I'm honestly going to be surprised if they try to move on from him. He just he, he's just uh, an average center to me, and I feel like he didn't really take that step that we all expected him to after showing signs in Chicago and coming out even coming out of Duke. So I don't really see Wendell Carter playing a factor in who they pick here. Um, a guy I will throw out there who's uh, a name I will throw out there that the Orlando Magic have, and a guy that they drafted last year who I see being more of a factor and fitting with his Franz Wagner, um, a guy that I felt like was a risk at one point and, and just completely showed me wrong this season on both ends of the floor, was able to score the ball a lot um, and was was a, was a willing and capable defender. And I think when the Magic are going to this draft, they're going to look at him playing that three and playing that four spot and looking at the bigs in this draft and thinking, okay, who can kind of match that the best? Not so much as Wendell Carter. I mean that sounds fair. Can't can't disagree with you on that one. All right, that's that's fair. Got nothing to say. Yep. All right. So yep, I have Chad Holmgren going number one to the Orlando Magic. We're going to swing it to Lodge. Lodge, tell me who you got going number one to Orlando, bro. So I was pretty torn and bothered by this because honestly, in my my personal belief, I feel like Paolo Bencher was the undisputed number one pick, but. When I do realize taking into consideration what you guys are really pretty much expounded on is what the Orlando Magic have going on, which is already they have like a slew of big men that are kind of like, I wouldn't say slow and sluggish, but do clog up a lot of paint area, this, which Paolo would kind of contribute to. Adding him wouldn't really solve anything. and He also doesn't really play as good as defense as the other two prospects. Now, considering that, I still think, like Colin, I got Jabari Smith going first. Now, Kyrie's point with getting Chet, it does have me torn, though, because it does make a lot of sense. And considering if, you know, Jonathan Isaac, if he is going to come back healthy, I, I don't feel see the reason of getting Jabari Smith because they pretty much play the same position. I mean, I feel like they're both like they were both projected to be a premier stretch four prospect with, you know, their own type of game. Now, so hopefully I still do think Jabari is going to be number one, though, because I feel like if you go between Chet and Jabari, I feel like I would go with Jabari.
For sure, I could definitely, I could definitely see that happening too. Um, I see all your points there. It just, it just came out not too long before this episode that we started recording. Um, Jabari Smith actually has the highest highs of going number one right now, and um, hey, I, I can't take nothing away from him. So uh, as of right now, uh, for the Orlando Magic, Logic Collin are going with Jabari Smith, and I'm uh, I'm rocking with my man Chet Holmgren and Gonzaga, but. We're going to move on to Oklahoma City, where the Oklahoma City Thunder have the number two pick. And um, which seems, which is a part of their abundance of first-round uh, first picks that they're going to have over the next few years which is with all the trades that they made. So to have a pick this high in a draft like this where the top three players you can consider as transcendent talents, I feel like it just, it just works perfectly for them in the type of timeline they're on building with that young core. And, um, this pick right here is definitely going to mean a lot to, a lot to them in building off of that young core. So, Kyla, let me know who you think they pick here at number two. Now, I, initially we, we had a debate about this a couple of days ago. I was going to rock with Paolo in this. I felt like he was the perfect fit with OKC. But then I feel like something's telling me in my gut that OKC, let's say hypothetically speaking, Let's say Jabari does go first. Now, OKC slept between Chet and Paolo. Now, Lodge said he feels like Paolo is the undisputed number one pick, in his opinion. I feel like Chet and OKC, I feel like it seems like more of a match, in my opinion. Because I feel like, so who does OKC have in the center right now that you can even say, oh, well, they have this guy and, you know, like, who, who I'm gonna be honest with you, Colin. They have centers, but one, I'm gonna tell you, I can't, I can't, I can't name them. Two, I don't think they matter. I don't even think they matter to, to be honest with this, with this, with this, this. Well, considering how high this pick is, I don't think they honestly matter. You know, you said they, not to cut you off, but you did say Darius Basie, Colin. Now, with my pick, I did take him into consideration, but I don't think he clogs up that center center spot or even the honestly the four spot. I still think, still think he can. He has a chance to play the three spot. Okay. But you can continue to go on, Colin. My bad. No, 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 no. That, no, so that definitely clarifies some things for me. And I feel like if we're going by potential, and this is all about potential, that's what teams are drafting by now, who has the better potential between Chet and Paolo? Chet has the potential to be a 50, 40, 90 type of guy as a big man. Paolo, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to average 20 points probably over the span of his 10 for the next 10 years or 15 years, but I feel like Chat just gives you more value at all the things you need, defense, the pass, and rebound. Scoring, obviously, Paolo has a major advantage over him, but I feel like Chet can get there in time, well, especially with OKC. They're great for development. I mean, listen, they're, they're the team, probably the only franchise that picked up three Hall of Famers back-to-back-to-back drafts. I mean, how often does that happen? So I'm going to go with Chet, in my opinion. I was rocking with Paolo a couple days ago. I know, but... I, so like Chet might be the guy for OKC. Yo, I really like that pick, Colin. I like that fit for Chet Holmgren too. If he does fall out, if he uh, falls at the number two spot, I mean, you could just see him out there running the floor with Josh Giddey, Shea Gilgis Alexander, a guy like Trey Mann that's on the up and coming. That's a good uh, knockdown shooter. Um, again, OKC is really young, but they have the time and they have the affordability to be and the comfortability in where they are in their pro in their uh, process to kind of. Go after guys and just, regardless of like skill set or regardless of, of size, really, 
and just build some, and, and just throw guys out there and see what works. And I think they have the, the pieces to do that. I think uh, Adam Chet Holmgren definitely does that. But um, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it to Lodge next. Lodge, who do you think uh, Oklahoma City Thunder picks at number two? So I'm gonna have to go with Collins' original pick and with Paolo Benchet, Bancaro. And here's why. So back to the big man situation, Colin. I kind of didn't hold you down as well as I, I thought I did. I forgot about a key name who I think is key, and, that, and that's Alex Pokushevsky. Um, he's their their, their their stretch four guy that has very very similar guard. Not I shouldn't say similar guard skills to Chet, but but a very similar game to Chet. But he's about I want to say three to four inches shorter, and he's just I, as frail as him. So, I would love those two to play together though. I would too, but here's the reason why I say Paolo though. So strictly because of the size and the offensive game he has, they don't really have an interior score or an interior dominator or a mid-range dominator yet, which I feel like they, they could use, plus the size he already has, which he doesn't need to work on, unlike Jabari and Chet do. So, in my opinion, I just I honestly just think, especially with the pick-and-roll, you give you give Shea a nice pick-and-roll target, a big target as well, and not just a pick-and-pop guy like Baisley, who's kind of undersized playing the four and sometimes the five when they run small lineups. Um now, but as far as Chet, though, here's the thing about these these three picks. No matter where they go, I feel like they fit considering what they get, their game provides. They all kind of have this their own game, but it's similar at the same time considering what they what size they have, the skill set they are they already have. Which because all three of them, I feel like they do have NBA like a skill set already to translate into the league. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I gotta agree with you, Lodge. I'm gonna go ahead and give my second pick right now, and I, I, I agree with you with Paolo Bencaro. Um, I share the same sentiments, to be honest with you. I think Paolo Bencaro is the best player in this draft. I think he has the most talent. I think, and I've been saying it all season, what sets him apart the most from these other two guys in Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren is that he has an NBA ready body and an NBA ready frame to go along with an NBA ready skill set. I talk to B. Logic Kyle talking about it all the time. I say he's a mixture of Blake Griffin and Cade Cunningham, as to where at six ten he could dribble the ball, he could go coast to coast, he could score in the mid range, he could create his own jump shot, and he use that size down low for, against smaller guys to get him a, a bucket in the, in the paint. And I think he just has the, the perfect blend. As, as, like that you can ask the most perfect blend you can ask for from a, a modern time, like a modern power forward in this game. And as far as he fits with the Oklahoma City Thunder, again, they're in a position where they can they can draft either one of these guys and just go ahead and figure out. Sure, they don't have a true center right now to put next to Ben Carroll, but who says who's to say they don't get one in, in the offseason or they they just run it back with their favorite? Who, who's a key vet who possibly Ben Carroll could probably possibly learn from? And again, like Lazarus, they have uh, Alexi Pokusevski who, who plays well as far as passing with other bigs and, and, and playing the transition, which is up to par of Paolo's game. Instead of Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, like I mentioned before, um, I just think it's the perfect pick for Paolo, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see, I just don't see why or, or how that he, he, he slips uh, past this pick. Again, I had him as my number one pick. But, um, Kyle, I want to hear what you have to say since uh, me and Elijah both got Paolo going to the Thunder. 
No, I mean, listen to me. Like I said, this would have been a unanimous decision. I told you a couple of days ago, I felt like Paulo and OKC was definitely a great fit. I thought him and Shea Gillis Alexander, that pick and roll game would be deadly. I, I'm just going off potential. I like Paulo. I think he's a, I, like I said, I think he'll be a 20 point scorer throughout the most of his career, in my opinion. That's the type of guy, that's the type of talent he is. I just felt like Chet just potential wise can do a lot more. And, you know, we've seen bigs that could do a lot more, even though the scoring. And we've seen guys that didn't have the scoring, but they had everything you needed in the big, whether it was being a stretch, you know, and definitely opened up the lane. I feel like Chet was the type of guy that he fits the modern-day basketball. Paolo is a modern-day, but I feel like Chet, to me, just has a lot more in terms of potential and what he could give you. Okay, okay, I can't argue that. And I'm going to come right back at you for this number three pick, man. We have the Houston Rockets. Last year, we see they got Jalen Green. They put it together with uh, Kevin Porter Jr., um, another young guy in that same draft, uh, Alperen Sengun. And um, I'm not going to lie, the Rockets weren't good at all last year, but they were so fun to watch. Just like their, just their energy they brought every night. I mean, you still had, you had Josh Christopher in there, too, who, who came on at the end of the season. Just a lot of young guys that just went out there and played hard and just gave you a show every night. Colin, who do you think goes there and kind of matches that energy at number three? And, uh, helps to, to continue this, uh, this puzzle for the, for the Houston Rockets and, and to help get them back to relevancy. So, I mean, Paolo is, is the most obvious choice in terms of talent, fit, et cetera, whatever you're looking for. You don't ignore a guy. He's, listen, what other choice do you have besides Paolo at number three? You know, and I told him he's a 20 point scorer, put him with Jalen. And you know what? You got a duo right there that's going to excite the league for a couple years to come. But I will say, let's, let's think outside the box of this one. All right, we look at let me let me ask you guys this: What do you think about Kevin Porter Jr.? I think he's been a disappointment. I don't think he's the guy for the Rockets in terms of being the point guard. Better off being the sixth man. You need him to get you buckets, facilitate for a little bit. And I think that's his future. I don't see him being a a starter or a star quality guard. He just he just didn't give me that this year. He just did. So uh, I I gotta disagree with that. I feel like mm. Kevin Porter Jr. is definitely taking strides. Um. Okay. Yeah, Kali, he, he Kevin Porter Jr. was was, was nice this year, bro. No. I, can't, I don't got his numbers. Yeah. I don't got his numbers in front of me right now. I know he still has stuff to work on. And and I told you before. I don't, listen, listen, bro. Listen. Hold on one second. Just hear me out real quick. I told. Right. I know. I told you before. I don't think he's a point guard. Okay. Do I still think he's a, a capable point guard? Not on a. Not on a competing team. On a Houston Rockets team like this. Sure. He still turns the ball over a lot. He still fails to make certain reads. And he, he does have bouncing consistency, even as a scorer, too. But he had, definitely has taken strides as his overall ability as a scorer and a playmaker. I, I, he definitely, his, definitely, his numbers definitely have gone up. And he has, a, he had a lot of big games this, this year and a lot of key games to, to Rockets wins, I feel like. A lot of Rockets, the Rockets didn't win much, but when they did, Kevin Porter Jr., it's because Kevin Porter Jr. played well. You know what? All right, then, all right, then I'm going to stick with Paolo there. Paolo is the most logical fit. I mean, no other pick besides that makes sense. If the Rockets really feel like Kevin Porter isn't the guy in terms of guard, I mean, listen, you got the kid from Purdue. Not saying he should be the third pick, but if they're looking at Porter, they're not liking what they're seeing with him. They don't think he could be that guy. Paolo's the right choice, but he's the most logical choice. But just say hypothetically, thinking out the box, how would you feel if they took Jay and Nike? 
Um, I don't like it. I don't think Jaden Ivey's a point guard either. He's not a point guard. I don't think Jaden Ivey's a point guard. Jaden Ivey's an undersized two guard, but Jaden Ivey has a lot of has a lot of skill as a scorer, not so much as a playmaker. And his handles still have a long way to a long ways to go on top of that. So I don't I don't see Jaden Ivey being an answer for the Rockets at number three. All right, I got nothing else to say. Colin, but before I say my pick, I just wanted to bring up the, the Kevin Porter thing. I I understand where you're coming from, Colin, but you do got to realize what he was going through. He pretty much had to kind of, in a sense, kind of run the team. And despite Christian Wood being like the, the star vet, he seemed pretty, to me, honestly, I feel like he kind of checked out halfway through the season. I think he's ready to go to a contender. I don't I don't think he's really kind of fond of, I, honestly, I think with this pick, a pick him, well, to bring on, this also has to deal do with my pick of the third pick, which is going to be Paulo. I feel like once they get Paulo, I feel like they, they look to move Christian Wood, which I feel like ah, would be the smarter decision because if you, you're keeping with Christian Wood, you're you're pretty much saying either he's a key piece to you building up to the next like new generation of Rockets, or you move on and keep building, okay. which I feel like will be the better option, either that or you get a younger star. So, But yeah, I do pick Paulo Benchero. I feel like with Picking him up, I feel like you can let Alper and Sengun possibly run the four with them two together and maybe run Paulo at the five on a, on a small ball lineup occasionally if it ends up working out down the line. I like that on paper. Um, as far as Squisher was staying on the team until Paulo and with them together, I do feel like it can work, but I don't feel like Christian Wood will be too fond of that later down, down the line, depending on how Paulo ends up pretty much flourishing out there, which I feel like he will. He will. Um, so yeah, I got Paulo. Um, the Jaden Ivy thing, I I don't like them picking up another guard, especially after going after Jalen Green. Um, as like Kyrie was saying, I don't really see him as a, as a true point guard. People comparing him to John Moran. I feel like John Moran has a more of like a, it's like his game is more heartfelt and like he actually in, in, enjoys getting his players involved while also scoring and at a high clip. Um, I feel like Jaden Ivy does it as like like he has to at that point. He's not he's obligated to. Um, I feel like he's more comparable with like a Donovan Mitchell, who's like a smaller two guard. Um, I feel like his he has a lot more athleticism than him though. So, but yeah, I do like Paulo Bencaro. Got you. All right, can't no, I agree. Uh, sound logical. Yeah, I, I like it. No problem. Wait, 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 wait. I think I just bugged out. I picked Paulo for the Thunder. I did. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I meant Chet. I'm very sorry. Chet. I'm very sorry. Ah, that's you know, I was so stuck on Paulo. I was thinking of see, I was thinking of from my perspective. It's your perspective, definitely. <laughs> You're going yeah, because I didn't I didn't pick Chet for the second pick. Gotcha. I, mean, I got at Paulo. See? But, see, but, but it's so it. but it's but like I said, but it, it still proves so my point though. When I said about the second pick, all three of them still have the same skill set that where they can go anywhere and work out. Chet is the same reason. I feel like the Chet and Sengun thing will work out better anyway with Chet at the with Sengun at the four and Chet at the five. That's and that'll still also bring up the point of Christian Wood ending up wanting to leave because then he'll outright take the center position. Yeah. So again, my my apologies for messing that up. I just said Paulo twice, but I picked Chet for my third. All right, all right. I, I will see draft night. We'll see. 
No, I, I definitely feel that. Like, I, you guys already know how I feel about how Prince Sangoon. I feel like he's the truth, and just his. I feel like his game just fits perfectly well with Chet right there. I can't argue that pick whatsoever. Um, but I probably have him going there if I didn't have him going number one. But who I do have going number three to the Rockets is Jabari Smith. And this is not a slight towards him. I'm not in any way saying he's the worst out of the three. Um, I just feel like this is how, how it's going to play out. And this, this is just based off what I've seen from these guys this season and just how I feel like they fit with, with these teams in the top three. Again, this is not no slight against Jabari Smith. I think he's big time. Um, he reminds me a lot of Jaron Jackson Jr. Just a lot more. I just, I want to say a lot, oh, but a wait, little more athletic and a little oh, more, and a little better more offensive scorer than Jaron Jackson. Definitely, definitely. And his, his shot is definitely, is definitely a lot better than Jaron's was when Jaron was coming out of Michigan State. And that definitely gives him the edge. And another thing that Jaron Jackson doesn't really have that Jabari has, and I feel like it's going to be super translatable when he comes to the A, is his ability to attack closeouts off, off a pump face around the perimeter. And he has such long strides and long arms and one-two dribble. He's at the rim. Kind of similar to what we see with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Not to that degree, though. But, again, Jabari Smith, he has the outside jumper. Um, He has the height. He has the length. He has the, the, the quickness to defend on the perimeter and block shots. And I think he's going to fit in well um with this Houston Rockets team. Again, with a guy like Alperen Sengu, who, who whose basketball IQ was so high, and just does a good job of finding guys so well. Um, we see KJ Martin benefit off of it right now, and I think Jabari Smith is definitely going since he's going to have more of a green light coming in. He's definitely going to benefit off that too because of his multifaceted game. So I got uh, I got Jabari Smith going number three to the Houston Rockets. Hmm, I think very unlikely that'll happen, but of course that's we'll see. <laughs> for sure it, you gotta think bro I made this uh, I made this mock draft before like the odds even dropped and stuff bro. But so but so this is this is like super organic this is just how I feel bro no I let's you, I, you go ahead Lush let's, you, let's make this organic as possible man let's, we don't need no fast food process we don't need any of that keep so, it I don't I don't want to I, I don't want this conversation to stir up too many like sides like too much of a side combo off off the, the main topic but I know, I know you guys watched the, um, the lottery, the night of the lottery, and I know you've seen the Dame's reaction of not getting the pick he desired for, for taking that season. Um, now when I was bringing up Christian Wood and him not wanting to be there, could you guys see the, the, the Blazers trading that pick for Christian Wood and giving it to the Rockets? Christian Wood and Damian Lillard? See, but I, but my whole thing with Damian Lillard. But okay, you. But does Christian Wood help Damian Lillard in pursuit of his title? Is he really that good of an asset? I mean, the way the way he just got paid, and the way, and the way he's kind of proven his point, and him being very very viable. I mean, I feel like it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting move considering Dame is only other option would be Bradley Bill, and I, to me, he's already expressed that he's content with staying in, in Washington until further notice. He has to prove me wrong. Um, I can't think of anybody else. Um, I don't. Obviously, Kyrie Irving's not going there. I mean, James Harden, I, James Harden's going to opt into the Phillies, just the Sixers. But the I mean, Portland suffered a lot for this pick. So I, I don't listen to me. If they make the move, I'm not mad about it. Right? I'm not necessarily mad. I'm not really uh. But I just feel like you know, 
you got to. Damien seems like to me he's on the cusp of leaving. Like, and because listen, he how old is Damien? Thirty two, thirty three. Listen, he, he around he's looking, there. He's looking for that ring at this point. Look, he's accomplished what he did individually. He's got the awards. Doesn't have the MVPs, you know. But he he's accomplished what he you know made an All Star team, All NBA. I feel like he wants that ring. So I feel like he stays in Portland for one year. This is like the Portland's auditioning year to show them what. Listen, what we can do for you as a franchise. So, I I, I don't know. That's a great suggestion, though. I, I didn't think about that. I, I'm not mad about it if, if they do it, though. I'm not mad. I'm not. I mean, I, I, I'm keeping that pick because I'm preparing for the season. I, I feel you guys. I can definitely see that happening. I, I feel like Christian Wood would definitely get that Rockets team a boost. Um, He put up something. I think, like, like, like. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Blazers team. He did that Blazers team to boost. And um, he, I think he put up something like 19 and 10 this season. He shot well from beyond the arc. And I think he can keep up with them. So I, I definitely think that's plausible. I saw another guy that the Blazers might be interested in is, is Zach Levine, who's a free agent this year. So, yeah, this, this draft pick could definitely play a lot of uh, – play a key factor in, in Portland trying to uh, move up or, or uh, move back into contention. But uh, we're going to keep it moving. We're going to go on to pick number four for the Sacramento Kings. Oof. Um, Colin, oh. I, I got. I have to get your opinion first, simply oh. because. Oh, wait, wait a minute, man. The Kings. Simply because. Listen, go ahead, Kyrie. Go ahead. Simply because of who I have going there at number four. Hmm. Um. And there's been a lot of speculation about him going there at number four. This, uh, the Kings are, are seemingly enamored with him. Uh, mm. And that's your guy, former mm. Kentucky commit. <laughs> if we can even call him that. My Shaden Sharp, man. Shaden, listen, I was torn. Be- I-, I don't like Ivy and Fox. I don't like Ivy and Fox. I really was watching Ivy's film. I, and then I was re-watching Fox's film, and I was thinking to myself, man, I feel like Shaden would be such a perfect fit. But he's such a mystery, and it's right. like Kings can't afford to whiff this draft, right? They're in a position where they can't afford to whiff it. The guy is just a mystery. All you guys, high school tape, AAU tape. It's not sufficient. But the talent is undeniably there. I felt like if Shaden came back, he'd be the number one pick in next year's draft. That's the type of talent he is. For sure. So, but Jaden Ivey, you know what you're getting with him. So logically, you go Ivy. But if you want to take that big risk, I, I'm taking the big risk at this point. The fourth pick in the draft, I'm going with Shaden Sharp, and I'm just praying to the basketball guys that he turns out to be that guy that could be that number one pick in that next year's draft. For sure, and I, I think the, I think what also gives Shaden Sharp the edge over. Jaden Ivey, as far as being a pick here, is Jaden Shaden Sharp being a little bit bigger than Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey's about 6'4. Shaden Sharp's about 6'6. And it's probably Jayden, the most explosive player in this draft. Say again? Jaden Ivey's 6'3. I, I don't see the 6'4. Maybe 6'2, hey, to be honest with you. I, 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 don't, I don't think he got measured at the combine yet. We're going to have to keep an eye on that. We're going to have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. As, as well as Shaden. He, he might not be he might not be 6'6. Six, six. You never know. Mm, okay. Every we get surprised every year at the combine, right? But I, I, I Shaden does look a little bigger when you when you watch he, him on tape. He he, look, he legitimately looks six six, and, and his his athleticism is, is Zach Levine like Jalen Green type athleticism. 
and it, it's not like he it's not like his raw athleticism. He plays with he has a smooth game out there. And again, we got to keep in consideration this is against high school AAU guys, but his game just seems like it, it's far beyond his years. He's a great scorer, um, super athletic. Again, like I like I mentioned. And I just think he has high upside. And this is a risk that I see the Sacramento Kings. The, the Sacramento Kings are risk takers. We, we see it season in, the season out. The Sacramento Kings never fail to amaze us. Ah, but you can't. So it's Oof. it's like it's just it's just super plausible to me because it, the mystery man in the draft. Why wouldn't the Sacramento Kings take him? I, it just I I don't know. Well, that's but, just what it feels like to me. But, but I'm not. I also yeah. want to throw this in, Kyrie. You know, as much as we're talking about Shaden Sharp being in the draft, he hasn't officially signed for an agent yet. So, right, that is a key point. Right. So my whole he has, he has the option to return back to college if he wants ex- to. Exactly. So I feel like if he does declare officially sign an agent, I think they go with Sharp. If he doesn't, you go with Ivy. But you know, that's so, something to look out for. So. How do you think he doesn't workouts though? Do you think it, do you think those workouts play a huge part oh. in in what he what he decides? Oh, um, I mean, listen, because you know the whole goal for him that's been constantly reported is if if he's a lock to be a top five pick or at least no less than a top seven, he's declaring for the draft. If he's getting feedback and they're saying, "Oh, you're you're top ten pick," you know, see you in the lottery. But it's not that definite top five that he's looking for. He could come back, but those private workouts are very important. I mean, look, Donovan Mitchell became somebody because he had those private workouts. He was killing it. Josh Hart shot himself up because of those workouts. You right. know, so those those workouts are really important. So good insight, Colin. And I just before we move on to Lodge and see who he has going number four to Sacramento, I just want to give you the, the quick moment to get off your chest since we we weren't able to in, in in prior episodes. How do you feel about Shaden Sharp not playing this season at Kentucky and possibly declaring for the NBA draft without even suiting up a single game for you guys? Well, uh, as a it, Kentucky fan, like for people out there that don't know that don't know that you're a Kentucky fan. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, th- this is going to shake up a lot of things. You know, when when it comes down between the one-and-done rule and with high school athletes, I feel like Shaden Sharp might be that, that tipping point because he – now, some people may say he finessed college. Uh, I, I really dig in deep to this. I read all the articles, watched some of the interviews, from the you know, some of the big-time reporters on this. I mean, listen, it was so fishy with him graduating – and then him not being, and then, you know, finding out that he was, first they said he wasn't eligible for the draft. Now it comes out he's eligible for the draft. How that worked out really is still kind of like an unknown mystery. It's just a lot of mystery surrounding this guy. And I feel like, personally speaking, some people said it was his handler that, you know, got in between between him and playing for Kentucky. They say he wanted to be, he was doing some paperwork to become his agent, supposedly. So, yeah, suppose whether or not that's true. Uh, Coach Cal made one good comment, and it was a comment he put a lot of emphasis when I watched it. He said it's going to come down to what his parents decide, right? And that's a really big thing for a coach to say that because, you know, the handler is really involved in this because he's the guy that got his Jamal Murray, Shea Gillis-Alexander. You know, he's the one that got his big-time Canadian prospects. 
So, you know, it sounds like things kind of went sour because of the whole handling of how that situation went. But, you know, Shaden's a, a talent. I feel like, you know, we, of course, I would let if he comes back, we're winning the championship. Sorry, Syracuse. Slodge, I forgot which team you're rocking with again. They're not beating us, so we get him back. I don't think you guys are beating us, period. We already got a nice roster, but. Yeah, I feel like I didn't even bring that conversation. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. Way to take a shot at this caller. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I, you know, you say keep it organic. We keep it organic. No, you're right. You're right. You're definitely but, right. But I'll keep it that, organic with you when we're off air, and I and I and I'll lay out to you what what Syracuse got coming up this year. You you don't you don't sleep on us. No, <laughs> but overall, I feel like this is going to be a big change because if he really finesses his way to this draft, they're going to make some changes to this whole rule. Because he really just, in my, you don't want to say he finessed, but when you look at it, man, he really bypassed the whole, he really went to Kentucky, got his workouts, training, all that for the next month, got to compete against the five-star athletes and not play a single minute in college. I mean, hey, listen to me. That's not a finesse thing. Then, then what do you call it then? Hey, I, I know if I was a fan of the team, I'd feel finesse definitely considering like the type of talent that he is, man. And I feel like it's not even him. I feel like it's a lot of outside noise, you know, in that kid's camp. You know, a lot of, you know, the handler, Dwayne Washington, he's the AAU um, um, Canadian coach. It's just a lot of people in the circle, you know. You don't know what he's being told, who's guiding him. You just don't know. You don't know what goes on with some of these guys' camps. You just don't. So yeah, definitely, and I, I wonder if that plays a part in his draft stock and in the interview processes and stuff like that. Absolutely, but, uh, question them. They're gonna ask me a question like, "Hey, where, how did this? Like, what, what's going on with all this? Like, what's what's the inside of this?" And I don't know if he's willing to answer that or not, but I think that definitely plays into his stock as well. So those interviews are crucial as much as those private workouts. It's just a that, big mystery, man. Absolutely, and we're moving on to uh, large. Uh, with the number four, with the number four pick, uh, who do you see the, uh, the Kings picking? <clears throat> Definitely gonna shake up the room with this one. I'm gonna go with from the Iowa Hawkeyes, Keegan Murray, six eight, two twenty five, average twenty four point, pretty much twenty four points and nine boards a game, shooting fifty five from the field, almost four, pretty much forty percent from the three point line, average two mm. blocks in the steal a game. Came from a freshman season, averaging seven points, pretty much for a sixteen-point differential from the from to his sophomore year. And I look at it as this: the proven factor. One, it's a bigger, another bigger body than Shaden Sharp, as well as Jaden Ivey, who's also already proven and, and given you skills. And it doesn't give a Kings the the feeling of having to work on another project in Shaden Sharp or maybe possibly Jaden Ivey, considering they would pair him up with another star guard they already have in De'Aaron Fox. I feel like Keegan Murray also allows him to let go of Harrison Barnes, which is a contract they don't need anymore, considering he isn't making a difference that they need him to do. And I feel like Keegan Murray can instantly tra- transition and play one better defense than him and contribute to the team as well. So I feel like, yes, after after all the, the private workouts and all that, I feel like they'll realize Keegan Murray is the guy that they should grab, considering how they took a risk on Tyrese Halliburton and Ray Heat fell down. Which, which I feel like he's very similar despite them playing two different positions. You know, some lives, I felt like you were going to swing with Johnny Davis. I had a feeling you was going to go between Johnny Davis and A.J. Griffin. That's what I really thought you were going to swing with. But Keegan, definitely didn't expect that. Keegan I, never came. 
I, I would like, I would love that uh, pick for the Sacramento Kings, to be honest with you. That would shock me in terms of how smart of a pick it is for them because, because we're used to them kind of fumbling the bags with their picks. But Keegan Murray, just the jump he took from last season, uh, from the season prior when, when Luka Garza was the main star of the team, um, he was putting up seven points per game. And just to, to push it up to, to 25 points in, within the span of a season, and just to play how we did on both ends of the floor with nothing but energy and, and, and the, nothing but motor the entire game. And um, he controlled the game in a lot of aspects. I feel like he, he was one of my favorite players to watch in college basketball this season. Um, I also feel like with the Sacramento Kings, it seems like with their pick last year, Davion Mitchell, they said they wanted to take more of a step towards defense, which they did. because Davion Mitchell played well. He, he turned out to be a pretty good pick for them so far. And uh, I think adding Keegan Murray, a guy that can defend on the perimeter and um, hold his own against bigs on, on the block. And it's interchangeable. He could guard the one through five, to be honest with you guys. I feel like he could guard the one, like the one through the five down the line. He just has such great instincts. Um, I would love that pick for the Sacramento Kings, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, that was a good pick right there. Not so man. We're going to move on to – Number five, and we have the Detroit Pistons, who fell out of the top three, surprisingly. Um, I honestly felt bad for them. Um, I thought they were going to be able to get one of the guys like Chad Paolo Jabari. That's what we, that's what I was pretty much anticipating. Um, man, Colin, tell me what do you think they do right here, considering uh, the disappointment they suffered a couple of nights ago during the draft lottery? What do you see them doing at number five? So, I, uh, Killian Haynes, I'm not a fan of him. Uh, what would you guys say so far three seasons in? Has he been a disappointment or, or, or you guys have some expectation he'll turn it around? I'm sorry, who, who, who did you ask about again? Uh, Killian Hayes. What's your thoughts about, cause ah, I, he's a disappointment man. three seasons in. You, you want to give him a season, you know, but what, just, just give me your thoughts on that. Man, you know I had high hopes for Killian Hayes. I really thought he had a good game coming out of Germany. Um, he right. just hasn't seemed to put it together and really adapt to the speed of the NBA. Like, I watch him out there. Sometimes he's just like he's floating. And Kay Cunningham, being how good he is coming this season, didn't really help. Um, Sadiq Bey turned into a fantastic player that he's been turning into. Didn't really help. And even Hamadou Diallo coming off the bench has been cutting into some of his minutes. He did have a strong game towards the towards the end of the season. Um, when Cade was out, I think he put up like 25 or something like that. It might have been more, but he showed that talent. He showed that poise and that shot making ability and that comfort, that comfortness I seen in his highlights before he got to the NBA. And I thought to myself, like, if he plays like this every night or somewhere close to it, he can have a, he can have a consistent job with this Pistons team. Um, I definitely feel like it plays a lot in this pit, but, uh, I'm gonna have to go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go ahead and give it to you guys. I think, it, I think they're just gonna go ahead with Jaden Ivey simply because I feel like he's the, I feel like he's I, the best player available in this, in, in, in a certain way. Um, when you think about when you think about Jaden Ivey, I think about uh, like Lodge mentioned, uh, like a John Morant, but also mixed with the Donovan Mitchell in a way. He doesn't really have the playmaking capabilities of John Morant, like I mentioned, but. I feel like he could go to a place like the Pistons where if Killian gets it together and Cade being the type of playmaker he is allows Jabari, uh, excuse me, Jaden Ivey to, uh, 
play off ball a little bit where he's dangerous off of the catch and, and just catching the ball, getting to a triple threat and, and hitting, hitting a quick move for a step back or just blowing by his defender and getting to the rim. I feel like he would play really well in those situations off ball and not in the role off the rip where he's handling the ball too much. Yeah, he's going to get his moments where he's going to get that ISO play. He's going to get his plays called for him, and he, as he should, because he's, he's a special um, offensive talent. And I think he has a lot of qualities with himself. He, 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 on the defensive end, he competes. Sometimes he gets blown by. Sometimes he misses assignments. Sometimes he's not fully aware coming off the screens, and he, he struggles getting through screens. But I think he has the athletic frame and the build. He does have that dog mentality in a way to kind of become a, a better defender or a more competitive defender. And I, I feel like he, he can he kind of fits this piss this culture, that, that that gritty that gritty type of play mentality and that that just stepping up to the moment like we see him do at Purdue all this season. So I think uh Jaden Ivey goes here. I think he plays well with Kay Cunningham. Um Sadiq Bay, yeah we still have uh, like I said Kelly I hate Isaiah Stewart and they and, and not to mention Jeremy Grant. Um I, I that's what I think that's just the most plausible outcome uh, right now. What do you think, so, Colin? I mean, you know what? You know, I, I'm looking at the guards on there. You got Amadou Diallo, Carson Edwards. Who knows how long he'll still be there? Killian Hayes, Frank Jackson, Corey Joseph. Those are the guards outside Katie Cunningham. Jaden Ivey, I can't believe I didn't even think of him going to the Pistons until you even mentioned it. I looked at the roster. I'm like, Jaden Ivey is superior than every guard outside of Katie Cunningham. I was actually going to go with Keegan Murray, but then I looked at, they picked up Marvin Bagley from the Kings in the trade. You know, Marvin Bagley is such a non-factor. He kind of just get, you kind of forget about him, right? And then you look at some, you got Kelly, Kelly Ollie Link, you got Isaiah Stewart. They're clocked up at the forward and five position. You got Luke Garza. So Keegan Murray just doesn't make any sense. And Jaden Ivey, like you said, I didn't realize until you pointed it out, he's very superior in all those guards on that roster outside of Kate Cunningham. So, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Jaden Ivey to the Pistons. You got Kate and Ivey. Oh, I would love to play with them on 2K. Listen, watch them play and play with them on 2K, man. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So for my take, Again, I'm going to go a little different. I got the Detroit Pistons picking shade and sharp. For one, for one factor that Kyrie just brought up and Killian Hayes, which I've been hard on him about. But again, this past season, which I wanted to bring up, I did see a little light and I do see a lot of potential in him being just that, that supporting co-star for two, for two dominant wings, which I see them having with shade and sharp and Kay Cunningham. Um, I also do feel like them having Jaden Hivey will kind of take away from the factor of Cade Cunningham. In my opinion, I feel like he would kind of interrupt. For some odd reason, I just feel like the way Jaden Ivey, the, 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 the aura of Jay and Jaden Ivey would kind of over, overshadow or try to overshadow or interrupt with Cade Cunningham. And I feel like more of Jaden Sharp, him being just the mellow, smooth game, he'll tie in with them two together. Especially with K being a guy that likes to playmake, as well as Killian, who can just fall back and not have to worry about scoring so so much, which has been his pressure, honestly. Because what Kyrie was saying, he knows how to facilitate. His feel for the game is there. It's just the fact that he can't really get his scoring to himself to, to really be, you know, carry his weight. So that's why I feel like a guy like Shaden Sharp, a bigger body as well than Jaden Navi. Again, six six. Jaden Navi is listed at six four. We guys are just talking about he may not be that tall. I kind of agree. So, yeah, I'm going to shake it up and go with Shaden Sharp. 
Okay. Sharp and Cunningham. I like Fox and Sharp more than Sharp and Cunningham. How come, though? They're both athletic. Fox has a jumper. And they could definitely transition game is definitely going to be crazy. And they both super athletic. Speed Fox is just the fastest. So, but Shady Sharp has the speed. I just, and then, you know, the Kings have been in such a rut. You know, I, I'm tired of clowning Chris. You know, if you know, you know, <laughs> for the for the fans that have been following us. You know, I'm tired of clowning this team. I, I, I want to see them finally get that chance to go to the playoffs and actually do something and not wake Fox's career. Plus, two Kentucky guys back at the backcourt leading the team into to the to relevancy. I, I like the sound of that a lot. So, yeah, yeah. That's yeah I got I, I to agree with you, bro. I, 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 hey, I got Shane Sharp going to the Kings. I think it's, I think it'd be crazy. I just think it, it, it what fits them and it what fits their identity in a way. But we're gonna move on to number six. We're heading out of the top five as we make our way down, and we're at the Indiana Pacers. Kyle, let me know what you think the Indiana Pacers do out here at number six. Yeah, oh. Okay, basically, I'm going to go with Keegan Murray. I feel like him and the Pacers are a match made. And I feel like, listen, they're locked up in the guard position. you got Tyrese Halliburton and Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know if it's the Pacers plan on moving Malcolm Brogdon, though. That's what, the only thing I'm concerned about with that. I mean, because if they are planning to move him, you, you slide Tyrese Halliburton to the one because that's where he was moving best with the Kings. And then you pick Johnny Davis. But it all depends what they do with Malcolm Brogdon, in my opinion. If they are planning on moving him, I say you get Johnny Davis at the sixth pick. If they're not, if they're keeping them as, as you know, that's their backcourt, then you pick Ke- uh, Keegan Murray. I think he fits on the Pacers. Okay, Lars, as a guy that you, you picked uh, Keegan Murray to go a little bit early, how do you feel about him going to, to the Pacers? Do you think he fits in? I definitely do. Um, I feel like Keegan, Keegan Murray is another guy in this draft, similar to Tyrese Halliburton, who's had so many questions, maybe not as many questions as Tyrese Halliburton last year, but once he played, you realize how he could have fit anywhere he would have been drafted in last year. And I feel like it's the same for Keegan Murray, whether it's possibly even the Blazers. Uh, I feel like the Pelicans already have their guy like Keegan Murray and Herb Jones, so maybe not them. But, yes, I do. Um, now, for my pick for the Pacers, I kind of, similar to Colin, I do have possibly Tyrese Halliburton moving to the one, but for his two guard, I have him playing alongside Jaden Ivey, shaking up the room a little bit with a more of an offensive threat. Ooh. So, in my opinion, I feel like the Malcolm Brogdon thing, I feel like they'll, they'll end up, they'll end up <clears throat> moving him for maybe more draft stocks so to go back into some rebuild. Cause I honestly felt like Brogdon was kind of part of that whole, Brogdon, Sabonis, T.J. Warren tie-in, which they wanted to kind of push, but they couldn't considering T.J. Warren ended up getting hurt and pushed back considering his recovery wasn't really going well. And Malcolm Brogdon recently just got hurt. So I do see that possibly happening. And I feel like Jaden Ivey with a nice spark will end up giving them a nice little uh, edgy, edgy score for them while Tyrese runs the offense. No, I definitely like both of those picks. I can see both of those guys fitting in there. Um, I think I lean a little more towards the Jaden Ivey uh, match with them if he were to go there. Uh, I, I just feel like I, – I just think they're going to lose Malcolm Brogdon this season. 
And um, just we've seen the spark that Chris Duarte had, a guy with a, a similar offensive game just had when he, he came into the season, was a high scorer and was, was really reliable for them. I definitely see a guy like Jaden Ivey, given his athleticism and um, his explosiveness, getting to, getting to the rim and his ability to create space. I think he can work out there. But for my sixth pick, I'm going to have to go with my guy, uh, Johnny Davis, out of Wisconsin. Um, again, because I think they're losing Malcolm Brogdon, I think they do look to uh, push up that guard spot a little bit. And to get a guy like Johnny Davis, who put up almost 20 points per game, eight rebounds per game with two dimes, and I think a little over a steal per game as well, I think he just plays well. I think he just has that skill set on both ends of the floor that the Indiana Pacers kind of need because the Indiana Pacers were terrible on defense last year. And I think just the type of motor that Johnny Davis has and his his ability to get through screens, his toughness he plays with and that competitive edge he plays with, not to mention that he's a he's a capable scorer on the offensive end. He's capable of getting his own bucket. He has a good uh, dribble drive game to get to the rim. He's good at using screens and even finding guys off the, off the short roll. And uh, I told Lies a, a few days ago when I was watching his team, he, he reminds me a little bit of Madden Ginobili in a way, um, just with how hard he plays and his, his ability, like I said, his ability to get to the rim to, to blow by guys and to cut guys off at the rim to get to the free throw line. Um, I think that he works well with the Indiana Pacers. Um, they have a nice young core. Uh, they got your guys there, Jackson, last year, Colin from uh, from Kentucky. They have my guy O'Shea Brissett from Syracuse. Uh, again, they they have uh, Chris Duarte. They I think this is a good pick for them. And, uh, I think he just pushes their, I, I would say, I wouldn't say a rebuild, but a retool in a way because the, I don't think the pitches were horrible. I just think they had a, a, a lot of changes going on with them this season and it was just kind of hard to adapt. Not the much, they still got, uh, Miles Turner as well. So I think this, they're going to be somewhat competitive. Um, Buddy Heald, I think. They, they try to find a trade partner with him as well. He played good for them this past season too, but I think Buddy Hill is looking to play with more of a contender right now, um, especially given the money that he's making. So, uh, yeah, I think Johnny Davis is a good pick for them. I think it's a safe pick, and I think it's, he's somebody that can produce from day one. Um, So, yeah, if you guys didn't have anything else to add into that, I think we're going to keep it moving to uh, number seven, where we have the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, oh. We, we heard Lodge mention earlier that uh, Damian Lillard was a little upset with uh, where the Blazers landed at number seven. I mean, it was just a bad season for the Blazers, man. Colin, what do you – outside of Dame, of course, this is a big part, but Dame getting hurt, and even while he was playing, just wasn't really himself. What do you? Th- what else do you think went wrong, went wrong uh, for Blazers this season? Uh, I mean, some of the guys I, – I actually saw a few of the last regular season games. Uh you, they were rolling out with undrafted second round picks. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty comical to a certain extent. Uh, and then you just look at the roster besides Nasir Little and he's made some progress, but you know what he, remember Nasir Little was a top three pick. They right. had him as a lottery. He That's hurt as well. He got hurt. Surgery. He got hurt in North Carolina. You know, he's just, he just, just unfortunate with turns in terms of the injuries. Uh, they traded away CJ McCollum. Simmons as a, he could be the future point guard for the Portland Trailblazers because I'm still, I still believe Damian leaves. He probably leaves midway next year. I, I just don't see him. There's nothing for the Portland to, to get unless they, hey, they pick up Zach Levine and he says, hey, I want to slide there. And then, you know, what a lot said back to Kristen Wood, hey, now 
okay, you got Zach, Dame, and uh, Christian Wood. What, what do you think, you know, how far does that go? I, I don't know. Do I think championship? Yeah, I'm not really sure. But there's certainly a playoff team. But honestly speaking, in terms of this draft pick, I feel like I'm going to go up. Oh, that's such a tough time pronouncing his name. Ochai Abaji. There you go. The Kansas guy. There you go. I was practicing for this. I was trying to get it right. But I feel like him sliding to the Portland Trailblazers at number seven. If Shaden Sharp doesn't fall to number seven or he doesn't uh, formally declare for the draft, I think they go with Ochai Abaji. I feel like he comes in 6'6", 6'5", 215. Uh, He takes over that number two spot. Uh, and, you know, I feel like with Damian Lillard, you know, showing him the ropes and teaching him how to get off shots efficiently, be in the gym, nutrition, everything. Uh, I think he has a bright uh, future with Portland, with, with the Portland Trailblazers. If he does happen to land there, I think that's a great pick for them. I actually really like that, Colin. Um, I don't have Ojak Baji making my draft lottery. I, I, I'm not thinking, I'm not saying he's not a lottery player. Mm. I, I definitely think he can. Well, mm. I definitely do like that pick for them because of what he can do on both ends of the floor. He, yes. I, he, he the strides he took at uh, at Kansas in his third season. Well, I'm sorry, his fourth season. After not really having that much production in, in his prior season, really impressed me. And what impressed me most was his outside shooting ability and just his his, his ability to play the passing lanes, just get up into defenders on the perimeter. And I think that'll work well, especially if you're looking at a situation where Dame does leave. And Portland hits full, hits the button on full reset mode, and you need a guy to pair with, uh, with Ant Simons. Again, you're getting a guy that has four years of college experience, just coming off a national championship, knows what it has, championship pedigree, knows what it takes. I definitely like that. Um, Lies, what do you think about uh the Portland Trailblazers at number seven? Who do you think they pick? My bad. I'm sorry. So, for the Portland Trailblazers, I got them picking Benedict Mathurin. Uh, I feel like his his game is very similar. Not very similar, but his size and his and his and his length is very similar to to, to Keegan, to where he's an NBA ready guy, a lengthy piece where you can plug him in anywhere between the two, three, and four. He can guard between the one and four, in my opinion, um, or he has the potential to. And he has a slight offensive game, good jumper. Um, and I just feel like he's a guy that you can kind of easily just track in with with the um with the Trailblazers. Um, I did originally have them getting AJ Griffin, but from recent reports hearing out, his game is considerably like I shouldn't I wouldn't say sluggish, but but his explosiveness doesn't really match how it was in high school, and that might contribute to him having bad knees and surgeries he may have had already. So I feel like they will go to the safer route and pick uh, Benedict Mathurin. Um, Yeah, I think that's a good pick too, right there, Lies. Especially like I said, if they're going in, in full reset mode and need another guard, better Mathurin is definitely a high scorer. I think he can match Ant Simon's energy, and uh, that'd definitely be fun to see too. Benedict Mathurin is one of my favorite players uh, in this draft. Although I don't have him going here, um, for the Blazers at number seven, I I got Keegan Murray drop uh, going there. Again, this is not a slight towards him. Um, he's one of my favorite players to watch in college basketball this season, and. A lot of times when I watched him, and this is a, I don't, 
Colin, you might think this is a reach because you think all my all my comparisons are reaches for some reason. No, no, but, so far you you you've been pretty well. I, I I it's been pretty well for me. I actually like him. I actually for, like for sure. But and I'm not comparing so much like play style wise, but more on like the like the intangibles that that kind of like mental type of comparison. I, he reminds me a lot of Kawhi Leonard in a lot of ways. Whereas six eight with long arms and just nimble feet and, and, and great lateral quickness, he has, he does a, such a good job of staying in front of guys and picking guys' pockets and just being in the right spot at the right time, turning uh, turning defense into offense and just using his. He doesn't have great athleticism, just like Kawhi didn't coming out of college either, but he just plays with such a great pace and just does a good job of anticipating to as where when he gets the when he 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 taps the ball he he he's disrupting the pass he he's out of transition he's going he, he's going in for a dunk and he he's not afraid to put it on your head either so i think him fitting in with the portland trailblazers it's just even though they do kind of have a log jam they they around the big spot you have uh Yusuf Nurkic still you have uh Greg Brown who they just drafted last year you just have a lot of guys there but I think he's a guy that could find his uh, find his way. I think he's a guy I could definitely see Dame taking under his wing just because of the type of mindset and the type of personality that he has. He's a real straightforward, quiet dude. He's not with none of the extra nonsense. And I think that just that just fits their their identity and that that, that culture they once had when they when they were competing. So uh, I definitely uh, like Keegan Murray going here. I think he I think he goes in and he fits in well with the Blazers at number seven. All right, sounds pretty fair. I don't have nothing to disagree with. All right, so Colin, I'm gonna swing it back to you, bro. At number eight, the New Orleans Pelicans. Man, just real quick, it, without having Zion Williamson and making that trade for CJ McCollum, the New Orleans Pelicans definitely turned it around this year and uh, gave got themselves a playoff run. I mean, they they lost in the first round to the uh, to the to the Phoenix Suns, but. They didn't go down without a fight, and they just showed me something uh, this past this past year. And for them to have number eight and to to add on to that young core, we seen with like guys like Jose Alvarado, my guy Herb Jones, Colin. Who do you see them adding as another young piece to this to this young up young up and coming talented roster? I'm I'm rocking with AJ Griffin. Uh, I think he's better than Trey Murphy the third. I think those are both big time shooters right there. And I think his potential is higher than Trey Murphy the thirds. I feel like he's a better defender. And he shot 43% from the three. Didn't expect that. So, okay. yeah, but, but, you know, there's nothing between college, college three and, and, you know, NBA three. So, you know, you, you, you want to temper that a little bit, but, you it know. It definitely is, but, but you make a good point, Colin, because AJ Griffin won, made him with consistency, and he was making, and, and when he got really hot in, in, in certain games, he was making way beyond NBA, NBA range. And he's very yeah. smart offensively. So, sure. listen, I like AJ Griffin to the Pelicans. I think CJ McCollum, you know, having a veteran like that, he's definitely going to make sure, take him on, take the young fellow, under his wing. Then he's playing with his fellow Dukies, Zion, Brandon Ingram. They're going to take him under his wing. I think Andrew Griffin to the Pelican is definitely suitable in my opinion. I like that. I'm not going to lie to you. I do like that. Lars, I'm going to ask you next because I know you're a big A.J. Griffin fan. Do you see him going to the Pelicans here at number eight or do you have them looking at somebody else? 
I definitely do have them going. I definitely do have him going number eight to the Pelicans. Uh, I feel like he's a perfect uh, like fit, especially with matching with Brandon Ingram. I feel like they have very similar mentalities. Very just feel for the game. They just love just getting on the court and playing ball. Nothing too extra. I feel like um, especially with Willie Green, I feel like he'll translate well with him. I feel like the the ongoing rumors of his his explosiveness and maybe his defensive potential being diminished. I feel like Willie Green will bring the best out of him. Um, especially alongside him coming off the bench with Trey Murphy off the bench. I feel like that's killer. I think that'll be a killer uh, little tandem, especially from the three-point range. And, uh, yeah, so I do agree with you guys. I feel like AJ is the perfect fit for the Pel- Pelicans. Um, I really wasn't torn on anybody else, or I didn't really think about anybody else. Maybe Johnny Davis would have been a nice little pick for them. Um, but I feel like AJ is a better shooter. So eight picks later, we finally come to an agreement. Eight picks later. All right. <laughs> That's a good agreement, though. I, I definitely feel like AJ Griffin fits there. Um, man, I couldn't. I, I couldn't imagine coming off the screen having having Herb Jones guard me, then and then coming off the screen is AJ Griffin. It, it, right there with you, right there. Right. Oh yeah. And, and just the way he shoots the ball. I mean, him, Trey Murphy, again, Herb Jones, Brandon Andrew, Sijim, call him, bro. That if we can get Zion back in shape, the Pelicans are a top five team in the West. If we could get Zion in shape. Man, that's going to be something. Look- just Zion and Ingram itself in McCollum, and then you have Jose. Well, he's not the offensive guy, but he's the one. The, he makes stuff happen. Exactly. Then he makes stuff happen. Jonas Valanciunas was great for the Pelicans. I, listen, sure. it all depends on Zion being healthy, so. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Man, you guys got me thinking about changing my pick. Um, I again I don't disagree with that whatsoever. But the pick I had the New Orleans Pelicans having an eye on is Dyson Daniels, the Australian um coming from G League Ignite. Uh he doesn't really have the same capabilities as a shooter right now as as an AJ Griffin. But with the a team like the Pelicans, I don't think it really matters because he meets the requirements defensively being being a six seven six eight point guard with a six ten wingspan, um, he's just he's just able to get get into guys uh, on the defensive end and make plays happen on the perimeter. And he's a good shot blocker at six seven two, um, coming from the weak side and just and, and chasing down guys. He, he really has high potential, uh, high defensive upside. Um, on the offensive end though, he reminds me a lot of Josh Giddy in a way. Um, another Australian guy. He, has really good vision. He's really good at anticipating where a guy's going to be and just make and just putting the ball in the right spot and putting the ball in the guy's hands, you know, put him in good, good positions to get buckets. Um, again, he has to work on his his, uh, his jump shot, especially uh, when it comes to creating. But he has a good floater game. I think again, being a six seven point guard, he has that back to the basket game too, where he can make plays happen in the post. Whether he's passing or he, he's taking advantage of a smaller point guard, he has a, and he has that nice little floater that I think he's going to be able to bring to the league with him. Um, another thing he has going for him is he's playing against he's playing with G League Ignite, and I just feel like that gives you more of an edge compared to a guy that's coming out of college because you're playing against pros and you're playing against guys that that are fully developed and are grown men, and he held his own against them. So I think the Pelicans pick him. He can play the point guard, but he can also play the two and the three, defend those positions as well. And I think he'd just be another key piece fitting in with those guys. Again, long rangey defenders, and just being another playmaker since they don't really have a true point. They didn't have a true point guard in their starting lineup 
CJ McCarter will start a point guard, but that doesn't really have to change. You get a guy like Dyson Daniels to come off the bench along with Jose Alvarado that can make stuff happen and make stuff, uh, and, and make plays for other guys. Alright. Um, I, I just feel like AJ Griffin to the Pelicans just seems ideal. It just seems ideal. But what so you made some sound points though. So I, I'm not disagreeing with your pick. I, I'm fine if they pick between either of those two. Or the Pelicans could surprise us and do something. So it definitely does. It definitely does. Um again, you guys make got me wanting to change my pick. But we're gonna move on to number nine where we have the San Antonio Spurs. Lodge, I want to swing it to you, bro. What do you see the Spurs doing? Again, an, another team uh, that turned it up towards the end of the season. They made the play-in tournament. They lost, but they put up a good fight. And um, I think they got a lot going for themselves. Uh, Spurs, uh, Lodge, what do you think the uh, Spurs do at number nine? I feel like they make a uh, – I wouldn't say really a different a, a different type of pick for them, but I feel like a, definitely a, a room shaker. I feel like they go with Jalen Durant. I feel like Jakob Pertl definitely did have a good season. Hey, okay. I feel like Jakob like Pertl definitely had a good season with the San Antonio Spurs, but I feel like they had the one missing key factor that they usually get out of their their, their typical Spurs big man, and that's consistent defense. And I feel like Jalen Duran one brings that, and as well as a, being an elite rebounder coming in maybe his second, third season already after some good runs with uh, some full 82-game seasons. I um, also feel like his pick and roll potential with Dejounte Murray and all the other shooters that they have on their team, like Lonnie Walker, who came came alive towards the end of the season. He also played well in the playing tournament. Um, Keldon Johnson, uh, many others. I, I honestly, I hope they bring Joe Wieskamp out of the G League and hopefully get him some burn. I feel like he's another a guy that they can use that they drafted last year as well. But nonetheless, I do feel like Jalen Durant would be a nice pick for them and another good project they can work on. And seeing if they possibly either can work him and Yaka Proto together or see if they can move Yaka Proto and maybe get some uh, stock back, whether it's draft picks or another uh, p- uh, key piece they can work on for the future. I would add, I want to piggyback off what my man lied. Go ahead, Colin. I a thousand percent. Jail, I, and you know why? And putting aside the points that Lodge makes, for his development, I want him to learn under Greg Popovich. He's coached the best of the best in terms of bigs. What more could Jalen Duran ask for when you got a guy like Greg Popovich? Tim is Tim Duncan still the assistant? Is that still a thing? Or nah, Timmy left. Timmy left. Okay, but Timmy still hangs around the organization. I'm sure he's he'd be more than happy to give some key pointers to the young fella. And, I, and, I, and the Spurs have so many guys coming from the Greg Popovich tree that anybody they have one of the coaching staff, I trust. I, I would love Jalen just from a just just from a development standpoint. There's no ideal fit for him than the Spurs. I, I agree with Lodge 100,000 percent. Jalen Duran to the Spurs, the ninth pick. Please make it happen, Spurs. If he falls that low, definitely. I share the same sentiments with you guys. I definitely agree with that. Um, coming in with an NBA ready body and just the athleticism and his ability to get above the rim for rebounds and for for putbacks and, and oops. He's going to come in and be a monster from day one, man. I love Jalen Duran. Although, I don't have him going here. Um, I, you guys will see where I got him going later. Uh, but I do have the Spurs going with an underground pick and kind of a risk. And a, the Spurs taking a risk right here wouldn't surprise me because they took a risk with my man Josh Primo last year at the number 11 pick. Um, nobody really seen that coming. Uh, but 
again, I, I think the guy, I think the kid's got talent and he, he shows some flashes here and there, um, throughout the season and it seems to be working out for him and the progress is working out for him. So the guy I got the Spurs going with is my man Usman, uh, Usman Dang, um, coming out of Nigeria. Um, and the guy, I'm, I'm sorry, not Nigeria. He's coming out of France, but a guy that I have, uh, when I first watched him play, when I first seen this tape, the first guy that came to mind, which is kind of not a like not a name you think of when you think of like all star potential, but a guy that whose game was was relevant when he came in and still relevant um towards his later years, and that's Nick Batum. Um, what Usman has going for himself though is that he's bigger than uh that he's bigger than uh, Nick Batum. Nick Batum's about six seven. Usman Dings, I think about six nine with with a seven foot six nine six ten with a seven foot plus wingspan, but this, the similarities I kind of want to get into is just the way Nick Batum over his career has been able to stuff the stat sheet and just make plays happen on all on both ends of the floors and all assets. Um, a fringe triple double threat night in and night out give you like fifteen six and seven on on, on a really good night with about two steals and a block, and he was just, he's just always super active, good passer, good shooter. It has those long arms and he's just always able to get to the lane. And that just, that just, uh, describes who's my dang to me to the T. Um, he's a little bit raw. Again, he's only, he's only 18 years old and, uh, he, he still has a lot of development to do, but his jump shot, even though it needs some work as far as in catch and shoot abilities coming off the screens and stuff like that. Um, it needs a little bit of work, but he has a nice, he has a nice form and he has a nice base that I think he's going to be able to work on. Uh, a roster, I mean, a, a team and an organization like the Spurs, I definitely, could, I think, can, uh, he can benefit from. On the defensive end, I think that's going to be his main calling card. Again, being six nine with that wingspan and just the just the mobility, he's going to be able to guard all five positions out there and make plays happen on on, on all levels. And then this is just a pick. I feel like this uh, the San Antonio Spurs to take a risk on, and I think they can turn him into something. Again, he's a project, only eighteen years old. Um turns 19 actually in a few days but again still super young still super raw but has a lot of a lot of talent that could be uh brought out by the by the San Antonio Spurs I, I didn't expect that pick I will say that I hear your point he's definitely under the radar pick he's definitely uh oh definitely I yeah didn't didn't even see that no but you made some fair points in terms of that and I, I I don't disagree it, but does he have more potential and talent than Jalen Duran, in your opinion? Um, if you really, honestly, if no. you really, okay. No, I mean Jalen Duran, he's the better prospect, yeah. yeah. But again, I'm just going on. This is what I feel like the Spurs would should do. Yeah, and I feel like he's he's just a Spurs. Not saying Jalen Duran's not a Spurs type of guy, but I think who's my dang, um. I think he's a Spurs type of guy just because he's a Swiss Army knife. And he, he has the potential to do more on the floor, I feel like, down the line. I feel like the Spurs have a way to knack him later on in the draft. Because if he's really that underrated of a guy, then I'm sure the Spurs is one of those teams that always pick up the underrated guys. You look at him and say, and you don't even question when the Spurs make a pick. Because they, for 20 decades of decades of excellence, so yeah, you know I, I don't disagree with it, Kyrie. You know I, I like it. The Jalen Hey, I give it to you guys for the uh, for the Jalen Duran pick. And that, that's a good spot for him. But we're gonna move on to number ten uh, for the Washington Wizards. We went sister tat on this one, man. Uh, we did. Let me know what you think, Colin. Listen, 
And you brought up Dyson, and I like it too. But Tata is the better talent, and I'm going to stick with Tata. They don't have a point guard. Raul Neto is not going to cut it. Not going to cut it for me. Tata to me, I felt like Coach Cal once again his offense is going to make a team pick up a gem. Because this is what I say about Coach Cal's offense, man. His offense. The, the guards, and you, you'd be surprised with how many guards that he, he, all these five star guards he gets to commit to him. They never truly get to showcase unless the team is kind of one sided in terms of the fours and the guards. Like the guards are the superior, you know, than the fours on the roster. And I feel like Ty Ty is a little bit underlooked, which he's still been a lottery pick in most mock drafts, but. Tie tied to the Washington Wizards just makes sense. They don't have a point guard that has the talent and skill set. Tie tied to score all three levels. His defense is average. He should be above average, but that's something he'll definitely work on. I know he'll work on it. The work ethic is there. He went from a four-star prospect, turned himself into a five-star prospect. Listen to me. If the Washington Wizards knows what's good, they'll take him at the number 10. I'm not mad if they take Dyson at number 10. Not mad at all. But, Colin, here's my thing, bro. Aside from me, I'll say, I'll say it right now. I don't think Ty Ty's lottery. Um, mm. I think I think Dyson Daniels is better than him. Ty Ty just mm. he didn't he didn't really impress me this season, he bro. Shot, I don't know oh, from the three point he shot. He did. I, I, I'm, not taking, I'm not taking anything away from the kid. Offense, Kyrie. Believe me, I know the doubts you have is Cal's. This is why I'm sick of his offense. He has to change it. His <laughs> offense is masquerading these guys. Some of these guys are legit top five. Top but there's, there's still some flaws of Ty Ty's game that, that that doesn't hinder from from Coach Cal's offense. I mean, I feel like he could be a better playmaker. There's a lot of times he he gets stuck with the ball and he just can commit silly turnovers. And there's you, a, and whoa, at the whoa, same time, at the same time, offense the bench are clogged. At the same time, Ty Ty's not super athletic either. He's not consistent. He's not consistently blown he's by not guys. Athletic, but he's athletic enough. It's not super. He's not Jaden Ivy, Shaden Sharp, athletic, but he had the shot. He's a, he's a smooth operator. I, I don't know, bro. I think he's I think he's sometimes I think he's a little bit I think he's some time away. Okay. okay. I think he's some. That's all. I think he's some time away from. Will his time come? I, I definitely believe so. He's got some good tools. I don't know what. I don't know what Kentucky guard tied from Tyler Hero to Shea to uh, what you call it, Jamal Murray to Tyrese Maxey. I mean, come on, man. I mean, man, Ashton Higgins. Like, listen. Sadly, I, sadly, Isaiah Briscoe. Sadly, Isaiah Briscoe. Well, Briscoe was just. I mean, come on. We talked about this. I mean, but, but Colin, back, back to my back to my point, though, bro. I'm saying since Bradley Beal seems like he's not going, don't you think their answer at point guard would be somebody that's more established? Well, I listen think. to me. Listen to me. I, it, and I see what you're saying. And I feel like, listen, it, if they really want to take that, listen, Bradley Beal. I believe he has a lot of pull in that organization. Of course, he's the main superstar. He's going to have a lot of weight. So, you know, it's going to come down to Bradley Bill. I know they're going to consult with him. I think they should consult with him. But naturally, we're going to go off and say they'll consult with him. And, you know, if he's not filling Ty Ty as a point guard, hey, this is what it is. I think he should be there for the Wizards. That's my pick for the 10th pick, Ty Ty Washington. I think he belongs there. If not, it is what it is. Another Kentucky guard slightly gets underrated because of a mediocre Arctic offense by the college coach. 
can't coach Cal. So hey, okay, bro, we'll, we'll let that get you. We'll let you get that off your chest. Another episode. Another episode. I'm gonna keep it moving, bro. I'm gonna go ahead and give you my tenth pick since I, yeah. I, I already told you it yesterday. I I think it's gonna be AJ Griffin. Mm, um, okay. I didn't initially have him slotted down this low, but I think he does to, to a point that Lodge made. I noticed throughout the season he doesn't have the same explosiveness as he had coming out of high school, and that's really because I and is. Direct damage from just his injury, his injury history. I mean, he was hurt in, he was hurt in high school last year. He missed games coming into Duke. He had to work his way off the bench. And, um, he just played really conservative, I felt like to me at times. But at the same time, I think it paid off because he showed off how great of a shooter he was. I mean, you mentioned the guy, he shot over 40% from the three point line. And um, he was just, I don't know what it was. I didn't see this coming. He was just knocked down from the three point line. And um, he's he's a capable defender, and he still has some athleticism where he's able to finish off of some lob or finish some putbacks, and he can be a really versatile Swiss Army knife out there. And another reason why I do have him him going there is because I think he could be better than Denny uh, Denny Advia. Um, he hasn't really shown me much improvement. Uh, I know he's still young, I know he's still got some time, but I just feel like AJ fits better. Uh, especially if he's coming off the bench with guys like Corey Kisper, those guys light it up out there. Um, I, I just think that's that's who who, who goes in uh, to the Wizards at number ten. But Lars, tell me your thoughts. Who do you think goes at number ten uh, to the Wizards? I got Johnny Davis. I got Johnny Davis going a little late than expected to the Washington Wizards. I feel like him coming off the bench early, early on, give him a nice, easy guy to go to instead of just uh, settling for three point shots. He's a guy that can get into the basket, get to the free throw line, and maybe drive and kick for others. Um, I feel like also at this range, I don't feel like, again, Ty Ty Washington is the right point guard prospect to draft right here, considering you're either trying to keep Bradley Bill and tie him with him or having a, a guard in that position to carry the weight. And I don't feel like Ty Ty is the project or project worth the, the, the worth the time right now, especially with the pick you have. Um, I just feel like Johnny, Johnny Davis is a, a more safe pick, pick you can use possibly if, again, Bradley Bill leaves, you have a guard. In that position, that can probably take maybe not Olsen that whole role, but partaking that to, uh, taking that uh, role of Bradley Bill leaving. So, um, yeah, I got Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis, I I I have him a little bit down more, but I I don't disagree with that pick either. Yeah, yeah. I like Johnny Davis going there. I think he'd be a nice little understudy for Bradley Bill. Um, he could definitely sharpen some tools on our defense on the offensive game. But um, I think Bradley Bill could help him out with that, and he has that mentality. I think Bradley Bill will um, embrace too. So I like that pick. Um, but we're going to move on to number eleven. Me and me and Elijah's New York Knicks. Um, I, 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 I can express so much disappointment. You, you tell me, Kyrie Elijah. You guys tell me. Eleven pick. What are you guys doing with this? Okay. I'm gonna I'm let guys. I'm gonna let Lodge go first. All right. What it is so bad. So I pretty much worked myself into to pretty much wanting this to be my my first option with this number eleven pick, and that's Dyson Daniels. Um, after just previous research, he's either listed as six six without shoes. Apparently, Mike Smith says he's six eight with shoes on, with pretty much a seven foot wingspan with point guard skills. Uh, athleticism. He has a Euro game to him. He has already has the, the, the pro mindset into his head, which I like already. That's good for Tibbs and he plays excellent defense. Um, 
and his potential to be an, an elite defender is there. An elite guard in, in general is there, considering he can play such be a, be a, such a, a, a pest on the defense. Um, as far as his offensive game, I do feel like his jumper may have to do some work on, but his two foot floater is really there. I like it. His ability to create for your others is there. His vision is there. Um, I feel like again, his, his two foot floater, along with that, his ability to take it to the rack, I feel like is is going to be easy, especially how tall he is. Um, so yeah, I do like Dyson Daniels. Um, at first, I did like Ochi Abaji here. Um, I like his jumper better than uh, Dyson Daniels, but I feel like his uh, Dyson Daniels' overall game and his maybe his skill for the game I like more. Man, a lot of, of course, man, of course, you know, you already know, man. We we talked about it. Uh, I I would love to have Dyson Daniels if I didn't already have him going to uh number eight to the Pelicans. Um, again, I just feel like his his game will fit in so like just fit in perfect with us, especially given the shooter uh the shooters we added last year in Quentin Grimes. We have the emergence of R.J. Barrett to look forward to keep looking forward to, and I feel like Dyson Daniels being on the floor with certain guys at the same time could really give us an extra push that we needed at point guard. Um, and especially on the defensive end to get back to that uh defensive. Mentality we had the season prior when we, when we made the playoffs, but um, I'm gonna go in, in another route to a guy that uh, you guys had going a few picks earlier that I think could give us another uh, a big boost on the defensive end, like I was talking about it. That's Jalen Duran coming from Memphis. Um, I think especially if we lose Mitch in free agency this this season, which I feel like is, is very much likely. I don't think Mitch is too happy with us, and I think it's just time to move on. To be honest with you, picking up a guy like Jalen Duran, that just it kind of fills in that gap in, in, in an immediate way because he provides a, a lot of the same things Mitchell Robinson provides too. Um, being able to be that live threat off of back doors and off of, off of rolls, um, just being a, a menace on the, on, on the boards on both ends of the floor. Um, he has a quick second jump that allows him to, to get to, to get to the ball faster than a lot of guys. And, um, again, he's, he has that pro ready frame. He has an NBA ready frame at 6'10, about 240, 250. Um, similar to, to a young Dwight or, or Bam out of bio in my mind. I think that would just be perfect for us, um, for, for the New York Knicks at number 11. What do you think, Colin? Jalen Duran to the Knicks. So what's Mitchell Robbins' situation? What's Nerlin Noel's situation? What's, what's, what's the big guy situation? I, I mean, think you guys picked up another big man. I believe you picked him from the Spurs. I have to look him up. But what's well, the we, we got Jericho, our other our other center Jericho Sims, who we picked up at, uh, for, with the fifty eighth pick last year. Gotcha. Um, played well, still a project though. Okay. Uh, I like the Dyson pick. I feel like because Kemba D Rose. Do you guys even still think they're options anymore? I um, think D Rose is still an option. I, if you ask me, Kemba's got to go like tomorrow. I love D Rose as much as that guy. I don't think he goes. I want Rose to win the championship, so I need him to leave you guys. You guys aren't championship contenders. Got uh, that right. But I like Dyson Daniels. I'm, I'm gonna go with Lodge. I think quickly Dyson, and then you guys got a nice backcourt: Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes. Right. You guys have a nice backcourt. I like that. You guys got right. a starting backcourt. You got a bench that can come off and. Replace the backcourt whenever the backcourt is tired, et cetera. So Dyson to me is, is my loving pick for the New York Knicks. That's who 
I yeah, hope. I, I like that too, especially since if you watched the Knicks last year, you know that our bench religiously played better than our starting unit on, on multiple occasions, like night in and night out. And yes, sir. Funny. So have a nice day. Another Thank guard, criminally underrated because of an offense. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, bro. I'm going to swing it back to you, man, for number 12. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder pick again. Who do you have them getting right here to pair up with uh, – Who'd you have going to uh to the Thunder again? I had Chet. You had Chet going there. Who do you have them go with Chet? Uh, I was thinking of saving this guy for the last lottery pick. So I'm really debating, but I'm going to go with Benedict Matherin. I haven't even chose him yet, and I'm surprised I let him slip that far. I think and, him. Yeah, you got the same pick right there. Don't tell me yeah. why. I let him. Sl- I was really debating between him and going to Washington, but I like him going to Oklahoma though. So I feel like Benedict Matherin, in my opinion, I feel like he'll fit. He'll fit inside the offensive scheme. He'll obviously come off the bench, obviously, but him, Lewin. I think Doris is the starting three for the Oklahoma, or, or he's the starting. Or, he, or he's playing like back the two, the two or the three. One of those. He, yeah, he, he's, but, he's in there with, with Gideon. Uh, with Shea Gilders right. Alexander, that's a positionless lineup, to be honest. Exactly, and you pick yeah. Benedict, he comes off the bench, and he's six six, give you defense and rebounds, and the offense is there. I, I like that for OKC. They yeah. get they get a good first round with that. I, I agree with that too. And to have him come off the bench with a guy like Trey Mann, that's a big shot maker. I, t- I told Lodge Bush before the episode, Benedict Matherin reminds me of, of Jr. Smith in a way. He doesn't have the same explosiveness as Jr. But the big time shot making ability, the step back, the fade away, just his ability to, to make big shots no matter how contested he is because he he gets such great leverage. And he is a good athlete. Um I think just I think the Thunder covered that. I think they pick him right here. I think they have him come off the bench and, and just be that, that spark plug, be that energy and just just that that big time shot maker that they need. I and I got them pairing him with uh with Paulo Bancaro. So if that if that happens with them, I think the Thunder win, might win draft day again. Uh, Lies, let me know what you got going on at number 12. Who do you have the Thunder picking? I got Ochi Abaji slipping down to the Thunder at number 12. Pretty much for the same reason as Benedict Matt Matherin. Um, to be honest with you, he's that guy that can make give you shots off the bench. I feel like Ochi's uh, pretty much, I think he's may, maybe a, a longer athlete. I think he's a, the uh, better NBA size. Um, I feel like he's a, actually will help. Paulo off the bench with defense, considering I don't think Paulo's going to be that much of a defender uh, coming in. Maybe he'll work that on later on in his career, but I feel like his game is going to be more worried about um, scoring and giving them a, a healthy amount of rebounds. So I think Ocha will come in and help with the spot up threes early on. Maybe he'll get his own game going and uh, playing some some not great defense, but some solid defense out there. Okay. I like Ocha like going there. Um, he gives them some experience. Uh, has a lot of the same tools offensively like uh, like our guy Benedict uh, Collins, so I, I definitely can see uh, Ochai going there too. Um, so for number thirteen, we have the Charlotte Hornets. Um, ending on another disappointing season, uh, losing in the in the playing tournament. Um, Collins, who do you see the tor- the Hornets turn into to get Lamelo some help and to uh, hopefully get them past this hump of, of, of getting into the playing tournament, not really and not being able to win. So he will be Dirk's third, Duke's third lottery pick, Mark Williams. I think mm-hmm. he's a, I think he's an upgrade over Mason Plumlee. He's better than Nick Richards. 
Yes, sir. Not even a discussion at this point. Mark Williams, if the Charlotte Hornets have common sense, if MJ doesn't screw this up besides making the most obvious pick of LaMelo Ball, the jury's still out on James Boak Knight, but, you know, it's only a year. I, I want to give him two years. I want to give him two years. But, hey, don't, don't do my man's book night like that, bro. I won't do him <laughs> like that, but I, I, you know what? I, I saw him, man, and, and you know, I got to say, man, you know, but Mark Williams for Charlotte to me at the 13th spot. I think it's the most optimal decision. I think it's a no-brainer. I don't even know if Mark Mark really falls that low. I mean, because if he kills it in the combine and workouts, like, hey, don't be surprised. You see his name shoot up, Taz. You know, he gets in that top ten, you know, top nine. So, but if he's fortunate, if the Charlotte's fortunate enough to have him at 13, they, they know what they got to do. MJ can't screw this up. Kyle, I agree with you 100%, bro. Um, Mark Williams was my favorite, was probably my favorite center to watch in college basketball last, last season, just because he brought that deep team together so well on the defensive end and being a, a, a nice bailout option on the offensive end. I mean, being seven foot, I think he measured today at the combine like seven one, seven two in his shoes, and, but he has a seven seven wingspan and a nine eight standing reach. I mean, he's just the definition of a skyscraper and a rim protector. And um, I think his game is translatable to the NBA from day one. Uh, he has quick feet. He's able to to, to uh, not so much contain guards on the perimeter, but he's he's good at recovering using his length and, and catching up with guards that might blow by him and, and still coming up with a block or affecting the play in some way. Um, I, I think Mark Williams is the best pick right here uh, for the Charlotte Hornets and the best pick possible. I agree with you. I think he could go higher, but uh. I, I think this is a match made of heaven right here for the Hornets at 13. Lodge, what do you think? Got Mark Williams as well. Got him wiping it pretty much. I feel like this makes perfect sense. It's literally what the Hornets needs. They don't have they don't have a sizable rim runner that can control the defensive end as well as the pick and roll with Lamelo Ball. And it also frees up Miles Bridges and stop making him have to really play as that pick and roll guy rolling to the rim. And trying to get uh, finishes at the basket, you can give that to my, my, uh, Mark Williams now. Miles can do his work on the perimeter a lot more, which he's shown he can do. I feel like this pick definitely projects him to being a better playoff contender. I feel like that may not be enough to propel them. I feel like maybe Gordon Hayward moving him and maybe giving uh, Miles Bridges that bigger role will maybe help them later down on the line and getting rid of uh, rid of that money uh, they have on that contract with Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I definitely got to agree. What I love about Mark Williams is as soon as the possession turns from defense to offense, his head is turned and he is down the floor. And I can see LaMelo Ball right now just throwing lobs and throwing full court passes to him. If they, if they don't get him right here, it's 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 crazy. So that's the second, so that's the second pick we all agreed on. Okay, this is good. This is good. I expect us to have us have a single pick agreed on, but we got two. But okay. I'll, I feel like you got. I feel like a lot of you, all you guys made made a lot of good picks, man. I, I feel like this was a good mock draft. We're about to get ready to close it out here at number fourteen. Then I'm gonna give it back to you, Colin, to close this out. But again, bro, this I, I think this has been a good episode, guys. Um, before we close it out, number fourteen, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, a team that had a had a, a it looked like a bright future, and uh, they had a lot going for themselves this season. I think at one point they were at the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, but they just burnt out. Not really burnt out, but dealt with a lot of injuries, lost in a playing tournament. And um, they find themselves out here at number 14. Uh, Colin, what do you see them doing right here? 
Well, listen, the big question with the Cavaliers is Colin Sexton. I mean, what's what's the game plan with him? Uh, that's going to pretty much determine a lot of things. But if they are looking to move him or trade him for a draft pick or, or an established veteran, uh, I'm going to rock with Johnny Davis. I feel like he comes in as like that spark off the plug for Karis LeVert because I think Karis LeVert is a starter. I love Karis LeVert's game. Uh, but Johnny Davis here, he slides all the way. He's still a lottery, though, and he is a lottery, but he slides at the last pick in the lottery. I'm going to go with Johnny Davis. I feel like he does everything Colin Sexton does, and he's a better defender. So, mm, I mean. You got Johnny Davis sliding to the last pick in the lottery. Okay. I have Johnny. So, tell, do you guys feel, because tell me what Colin Sexton does that's superior than what Johnny Davis does. I, I, I just don't see any difference in, in their games. I mean. Colin, Colin Sexton, Sexton is a lot faster. Forward. He's just hurt right now. Right. I mean, he put up he put up twenty points per game in the in his what third year second, second season. What was the field goal percentage I, last time? What was the field goal and three point percentage? I don't think it was too bad to be honest with you. It really wasn't. Right. Sexton. Let me look it up. You know, we're supposed to have this on deck, but Colin Sexton kind of forgot about it. You know, he hasn't played in a year. I just I'm I'm just more. I'm just more concerned with how you you have Johnny Davis dropping this low. Is this something you don't see in his game? I mean, uh, Lars was Lars was telling me he didn't really see much in his game either. If you want to chip it on that, Lars, I just feel like I wouldn't say I didn't see too much. I just feel like as far as the other prospects, his game is pretty much already shown to you on film. I mean, he isn't, which isn't a bad thing. And to me, it feels like you, you get what you're getting. I don't think you can exactly. Get get as much out of him as you want, but that doesn't really mean anything depending on where you put him at, considering the system he gets ran in. Again, I feel like off the bench, his ability to take it to the basket, his ability to create, maybe I'll possibly be able to create for the taking it to the basket, maybe kicking it out, giving that that spark off the bench. You know what I mean? So, I, again, I've been proven wrong. I, I think I said maybe the same thing about Christian Duarte. He completely shut me up. He looked amazing this past year in his rookie season. He sure did. Twenty four. Um, so so yeah. Uh, before before you uh give us those Colin Sexton stats, uh, I wanted to throw in my quick uh, Cavs pick. I got them picking uh Tariq Eason. Um, he's a six eight forward out of LSU. He was a sophomore this year. He had a, a pretty good sophomore year. He averaged seventeen points a game, a block and two steals, with six boards, averaged fifty two percent from the field, thirty six percent from the three point line. I feel like he's a great safe pick for the Cavs. They already have enough guards, considering they have Karis Avert. Um. Darius Garland, obviously, who was an all-star this year. Collins isn't coming back. We don't know what's going to happen with them. I feel like they have uh, Isaac Okoro, who I feel like there's their, he's their like, solidified 2-3 uh, between him and Karis LeVert. And I feel like Tyree Eason, he's their stretch four guy that, that can play defense and uh, give, give him a little bit more energy, uh, opposite of a Malari Marketing, who's just the guy that gives you spot-up threes and some rebounds. Okay. All right. I like Tari Eason right there. He's the best six man in the country this past season. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see him fitting in with the Cavs. But I'm gonna go ahead and give my quick pick for the last pick of the, uh, uh, our mock draft. Um, and I'm gonna go with Malachi Brandon coming from Ohio State. Um, when I watch him, I think of a guy like Chris Middleton. He's a great mid range scorer. Um, does a good job of getting open and, and just uh, just uh, creating off the ball. I feel like and and, and just getting open off of the ball. Um. In, when it comes to, to creating his own shot, he's really patient, and he does a good job of just carving out in the defense and getting to his spots in the mid range, sort of in a way like Chris Paul does, even though he's a little bit big, even though he's, he's 
bigger at six five. Um, but just getting guys on his back, uh, using his frame to kind of ward guys off and just, and just pull up for that mid range jump shot. And I think he can fit in on the Cavs, uh, Cavs roster coming off the bench. All right. I, I, listen, great pick for the Cavs. I think the Cavs aren't going to screw this up. They're going to pick whatever they got or they could trade that pick for, you know, hey, somebody else. Uh, Colin Sexton is the big keyboard. Yeah, Colin Sexton, you know, his stats is uh, pretty good. Average 24 last game. He shot, he shot. 5198 percent from the field goal. So, so his field goal percentage was 475. Excuse me, his three point percentage was 371, but he all right, but I feel like Johnny Davis, he could be the Cavs pick at as a lottery pick, the last lottery pick in that draft. All right. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't if you see him dropping that log, I can definitely see him fitting in. But uh hey Colin, it was a great it was a great episode, bro. Uh, I feel like your box draft was great, Lodge box draft was great. I feel like hey man, we we, we definitely gotta do another one as the draft approaches. And uh, do this over again. I feel, I feel like things might change up. You never know. We got the, again. We got the draft come by going on this week, and uh, you never know. Things change. So you can you want to go ahead and close it out, bro? You got it. Absolutely. And that concludes the episode of the Restricted Zone po- Podcast, the NBA Draft Lottery Edition. Definitely want to give a big shout out to the listeners who follow us on Anchor. Spotify, Apple, or any streaming uh, site or platform that you guys use to tune in and listen to us. We are available on every streaming uh, platform, whether you're iPhone or Android. Yes, it is free. You don't have to pay a dime, penny, or anything. So please support us. Continue to listen to us, and we'll be we will be consistent, and we'll we and we will be back with the next episode. So thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Have a nice day and be safe.